Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So Bradley has fizzled out. To say the least. Honestly, I gave it my best effort. I was a listener. I was available for Bradley's phone calls. I even did FaceTimes while he was watching TV. But when I don't get flowers, and then when I'm sick with COVID, not even a chicken in a pot. No, that's not Mr. Right. I think I'll go back to Mr. Right now. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Real Housewives of New York and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills edition. That's right, you guys. I actually managed to watch both last week and this week's episode of Real Housewives of New York. Um, Didn't love it. Wasn't having fun. Gotta say that. It's, I mean, I'm sure like 7,000 other podcasters have said the same, but like we knew Ramona was bad. And it's not surprising to see what she did last week, but it's also shocking because one shouldn't have to be exposed to something like that. Like anything that she did was horrific and embarrassing. Like I often think of what Avery thinks of her mom's behavior and Honestly, like if this were my mom, I would be so embarrassed. (laughs) I would be so embarrassed and I would, it would just be, oh God, like it's, it's embarrassing that she behaves the way she does. Like it's beyond reprehensible and just like vile. It's also so embarrassing for you to be that age and to just be so unaware of the world, so unaware of other people's experiences, or maybe not even unaware. I can't expect everybody to know everything, but the, her reaction to this thing that every, all roads lead back to her, all roads lead back to some perceived slight that happened in her life. And so Somehow that negates the entire experience of black people, a a common experience with black people. It's she, she's wild. Like she should really be more embarrassed that she is out here at her big age acting like this and feeling this way. Like it's sad. It's really sad. Um, 
but anyway, I don't want to harp on that. Ugh, vile. Um, I really don't even want to harp on this episode because it was boring as fuck. <laughs> also, sorry, I I just said I don't want to harp on this, but I did want to bring up another point. Is they at one point did a flashback of just the you know just a whole montage of Ramona's poor behavior, and honestly, she should be sending everybody in that editing booth an edible arrangement because the clips that they showed were pretty harmless compared to ones that came in my mind. Like, they didn't show that clip where she, um, when they went to that trip, when they went to, what, Cartagena? And she called the staff the help. Didn't, didn't include that. I mean, there were so many horrific moments. Um, it seemed, you know, it's like when she went off on Simon for coming to that, uh, women's party season one, it's just like, that's light work compared to what we've seen. But, I mean, everything that we've seen was light work compared to what we saw last week, so... There you go. Um, anyway, let's talk about this episode. I'm just going to go through it really quickly because, like I said, wasn't really bringing much to the table. Um, it starts off with the girls are doing their thing. Leah's having dinner with her family. She starts talking more about converting to Judaism. I believe she was raised Catholic. Um, her parents are fairly religious, um, religious enough to have you know, uh, a bit of hesitance towards her conversion. Um, her relationship with her mother is so fascinating. Like her mom has no problem cutting to the quick of it. Doesn't she <laughs> like, wow, that is a, that's a relationship y'all. Whew. Leah mentions writing a book, how it's going to be your typical Bravo Liberty book. It's, I mean, not that I would really know because I've not read a single one of them, if I'm correct, but um, I did read, oddly enough, Heather Debro and Dr. Terry Debro's uh, uh, diet book that they came out with a few years ago. And it was wild. It was a wild ride. Um, there were, it was like part and this is what I imagine Leah's book is going to be like part memoir, part, you know, sharing anecdotes and stories and part like self-help kind of vibe. It's like the not self-help, self-help book. I think that's what she said, right? I, I don't care. I, you know, these books come in waves and like get money, bitch. Of course, take the bag. But also like, I don't care. But also... She's not a writer, so write the book, take whatever money you're getting from it, and move on with your life, you know? I don't have to read it. Nobody does, because you're going to get a check anyway. Um, so, yeah, um, her mom was like, uh, sorry, Leo started talking about how, you know, she was kind of a wild girl back in the day, and her mom just goes straight to, yeah, I mean, you could have gone to Harvard. Look at all the things that you could have accomplished if you hadn't, you know, taken ecstasy and gone to the tunnel to dance until five o'clock in the morning. Like, your life could have been so much better than this. <laughs> and it's just like, why even bring that shit up? And my God, if this is how she is on camera, imagine what she's like in the privacy of her own home. <laughs> Good grief. Their relationship is like uncomfortable for me to watch. Like I can handle a certain amount of dysfunction, 
But this is too merch for me. A little too merch. Um, so let's move on. Um, Leah's brother was there. And I said what I said about him. My feelings are not any different. Um, oh, Leah's mom then en- mentions like, you know, you're addicted to, to plastic surgery now. You've had three surgeries in six months. And we see the list of her nose job, her boob job, and then an alleged ass fat transfer to her ass that she um, claims is not true. Uh, she vows to not continue on her journey i thought her brother was being very nice of you look beautiful the way you are right now you know like please no more and honestly she's had incredible work done i think it all looks very natural and yeah like take the w on that and go much like the book like celebrate that you manage to have multiple surgeries and they all look fucking natural and fabulous like don't I I'm pro surgery if that's what you want to get but don't rock the boat because you really did good (laughs) that's all my that's my advice to you um Sonia FaceTimes Ramona should tell her that she and her assistant Emma unfortunately uh tested positive for COVID Ramona's direct uh, reaction to that is to tell her that oh my gosh I wasn't feeling so well last night and I went to 10 I went to bed at 10 o'clock. Can you believe it? Anyway, um, I tested negative and I'm totally fine. Woke up completely refreshed. So yeah. Um, and Sonia's like, okay, thank you. That really, um, brings, it, it helps. That really helps. It's uplifting to me. And, and I'm just like, yes. In, the, in that way that she always lying. <laughs> Why can't I talk today? <laughs> Ramona does this thing when she's lying and when she thinks that she's going to convince people she's two steps ahead, but actually she's like, oh, somebody said something and I'm just going to roll with it. She always snaps and she always gets really excited. She's like, yes, that is what I meant to do. I did say that to make you feel better. (laughs) It's just like a total like who's on first moment where Sonia and Ramona are speaking two very different languages because Ramona thinks that she's convinced Sonia and Sonia's like, no, I'm actually being really sarcastic. That was like totally unnecessary and not at all helpful to me in this moment. So thank you. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's what happened. I'm like, you guys, I don't know what's happening to me. I'm so sorry. (laughs) After that production shuts down filming for four weeks and I feel like they keep hinting to it being bad and Ramona having to, uh, either she did hire an ambulance or she was going to, and Ramona was knocking on her door and Sony mentioned several times that it was bad, but one, the four week shutdown is, that's a serious thing. Like, I don't really know much about production, but to shut down for four weeks, were they the cast that the production got some to? I think maybe that was Beverly Hills, but anyway, For you to shut down production for four weeks, that is very expensive. It speaks to something that happened that was very serious. It makes me believe that Sonia's case was not great. Um, She even mentioned, excuse me, that when the doctor cleared her, she saw uh, Ebony and was it Leah that came over? Um, And that was only three days prior. So it makes me feel like she was really down for the count. And that's scary. That's really scary. Um... I'm so jealous. I could not go. I got a last minute invite. Ugh. Shout out to you, Megan of Bravo Happy Hour. 
Um, I got a last minute invite to the Sonia in the city, like her, her rehearsal show. And I could not go. Uh, I regret it with every fiber of my being. I've heard, um, uh, things <laughs> I've heard, have heard some things that she was, um, you know, um, what you would expect Sonia to be like on stage, uh, which would be, you know, equal parts <clears throat> unprepared, um, kind of doing a an improv thing that is less actual improv of more just like oh I just scrapped everything and now I'm just out here in these streets doing nothing kind of like how Kanye makes his music nowadays just like oh I'm I've I've got something but no I don't and you're never going to hear it again but I also heard that she was very friendly she said hi to everybody I've seen several pictures of her already with people so you know She's our Sonia. You get what you get. The Sonia Morgan brand is strong. That's for sure. Um, the girls decide after that month of uh, shutting down that uh, Ramona is going to have all the girls come to her Hamptons home for a Galentine's weekend. Whatever. So we see Luann and Sonia talk about it and they talk about how Oh, Luann says, oh, you know, I assume that you must have been really sick with your COVID because I called you a few times and you didn't pick up. So you must have been really sick to not answer the phone from me because I called you multiple times. Like, you are so, (laughs) these women are so fucking selfish. Like, she had COVID. If she doesn't want to call you back, you don't take that as a personal slight. Like, who cares? Honestly, like, she could have died. What, and you're, like, taking this personal, like, fuck off. <laughs> anyway, um, they have this conversation. Luann is being kind of nice. Sonia's reaction to Luann's kindness, I think, was a little bit overblown. I don't think she was being that nice. She was being fake nice, but whatever. Um, and honestly, I thought it was hilarious that Sonia thought that she uh, turned her phone off and was like, oh, you know, I should stop talking as much shit about Luann as I do. Because she's actually pretty nice to me. And I talk shit about her all the time. And you see, we see Luann listening to Ramona, or excuse me, to Sonia talk to her interns about how shitty she is to Luann. She says, um, hey girl, I can hear you. Sonia starts laughing and is like, no, I'm just telling them. She said what she said. <laughs> You know, I, whatever. You guys all know that you guys talk shit about each other. Like, what are we doing here? Like, don't act so scandalized about this. When the first time you guys went to the Hamptons, you screamed at Sonia and told her that Tom was only a fuck for her and you got to marry him. Like, was that necessary? And you said that in front of everybody. Like, that's so mean. <laughs> I did enjoy the part where uh, Sonia and Luette were on the phone and she was telling her like, yeah, my COVID, my intern Emma's COVID was pretty bad. She had to use the, um, and she couldn't think of the word for inhaler. (laughs) So she says, you know, that thing that Harry has to use when we're in the middle of having sex with each other. (laughs) How does she come up with this stuff? Oh, God bless her. Um, Anyway, Luann arrives to the Hamptons first and she tells Ramona that Sonia was wasted when they were on FaceTime with each other. And 
that then the waterworks and the cavalcade or, or whatever the word is of like, oh, all the things that I've done for her. I had my friends from Abu Dhabi rent her house for four weeks, uh, four months. Nobody else has gotten as close to um, helping her with that house as I have. And um, whatever, like all this stuff and like what a bitch she is because she's such a good friend to her. No, you're not. Also, I despise and I think that maybe I said the exact opposite when the season premiered but I'm going back and I will be that hypocrite I do not like Ramona and Luann's friendship I think it makes both of them worse which is not something not really a luxury they can afford and uh I just don't like them and I think that maybe they're not friends now which gives me a sense of peace honestly they really convince themselves in each other that they are better friends to Sonia than she is to them and that they do so much. And it's when Sonia said this shit, or excuse me, when Ramona said this shit about how Sonia is angry at the both of them because they were able to get out of their divorces and be financially stable and successful and happy Sonia, that is not your friend. That is a vile... Why would your mind even go there? Like, what? Why? It's so mean. It's so cruel. It's so unnecessary. I don't think it's true. I think she might... She clearly has some anger and residual shit from her past. There might be a sense of... I'm not in the place where my friends are, but Ramona keeps painting this as though Sonia is just consumed with jealousy and she's just their poor little friend who can't get over her life. And she's so pathetic and they really convince themselves that Sonia is just like, their just their sad little friend, like the Jan Brady of the group. And it's really gross. And this is like why I don't like them together. It's that they, are horrible on their own. But then they have found this common... Really, their only commonality is that they can put down Sonia. They're not, like, real friends. And I just don't like them. I... Ugh. Like, I... You guys know how I feel about Hannah Burner, but she and Paige's relationship at times is, like, extremely healthy, and they want to be there for one another, and, like, I will give her props that she seems to be a good friend to Paige mostly <laughs> most of the time but the these two ugh i don't like them i don't like oh god i'm so over the season <laughs> i'm so over it um what's happening after that okay so like countered by them spinning each other into thinking like they're superior to sonia the first thing that sonia does when she walks into the hamptons to ramona's house is say she has a moment. She takes Ramona aside and says, starts to cry. She gets emotional. I had this time in the downtime of me having COVID and us not filming. I was really thinking about my actions of how I, you know, went off on you at the, excuse me, Black Shabbat dinner. And if you guys didn't see it, she, Ramona kept making the dinner about herself. She was just being a generally vile person, making, centering herself, making herself the main character. Treating everybody horrifically. So Sonia had had too much to drink. 
she goes off on Ramona and says, you know, her typical, she starts off with the, I, I gave millions for the LGBT. I raised millions. I do things for people. But then it turns to Ramona and she's like, you don't do shit for people. It's all about the next yacht, the next plane, the next trip, the next Gucci for you. Like you have basically no substance. You don't do shit for anybody. You're very selfish. You don't listen to anyone. You're acting vile right now. Like she really went off and like, yeah, she deserved, she deserved to hear that. So now Sonia is apologizing for that. She's like, my approach to you was rude. I feel really upset about it. I have to apologize to Luann next for what happened with the phone debacle. Like, she has the clear presence of mind to apologize to you bitches who just went off on her and, and like, are acting like oh, she's just so pathetic. Like, it's just so heartbreaking for me to see. I ugh. Imagine kowtowing to those two. Imagine. Yuck. Um. Anyway, Ramona gets the girls matching pajamas and... I noticed that multiple cast members mentioned that these pajamas were cheap and Sonia mentioning that the boas that she purchased were 10 for $10. <laughs> I don't really recall a time where the New York housewives will talk about the value of something, calling something cheap. You know, Ramona will get in there and she'll be, you know, corny every now and again. But generally speaking, they don't talk about money too much on the show. So the fact that Several women said the shit was cheap. <laughs> Led me to believe that she just got like straight up AliExpress polyester pajamas. And how tacky. Of course, the person who would splash out the least amount of cash is the one who talks about how much she's a one percenter. Th at this point, I'm in real, like, on, as the show is watching and I should be taking notes, I'm like on my phone. I'm looking at my vitamins, making sure that I had them, um, you know, cleaning up, tidying things around my room. Like I could not care less <laughs> what happened. Um, Luann takes Sonia aside and starts her bullshit about, oh, you know, you were talking shit about me and I just blah, blah, blah. And whatever. I honestly just couldn't be bothered to pay attention because one, I honestly like, Luann's initial reaction as she was hearing Sonia and calling her out, she didn't really seem that upset. And then I think she had that conversation with Ramona and was like, okay, if I, how can I be wounded? And I, I just talked to Ramona and she thinks that you're being mean to me. And I've been such a good friend to you. What, girl, shut up. Shut up. Um... I just, it's boring, boring. Okay, Leah makes some announcement about, I'm going to start dating wealthy guys because it worked out so well for you, Ramona, Sonia, and Luann. And I think she actually meant that sincerely. <laughs> okay. Um, then Luann, you know, fresh on talking about how she was a good friend to Sonia, brings a pin the kiss on a Harry Dubin poster so all the women have to blindfold themselves in that cheap f fake feather boas and spin around and pin a kiss on a giant picture of Harry Dubin. Like, kill me. We had to watch each and every one of them take their turns. And that's how you know it's a bad episode or season. Um, awful. Boring. Again, looking at my phone. Um, 
but again, another thing, if you want to dig a little bit deeper, how hypocritical of her to Luann, how hypocritical of Luann to bring up the dude that Sonia thinks that you fucked right after he gave you a promise ring. He gave her, Harry gave Sonia that ring, what, season six, immediately he leaves Sonia at that party, was it Carol's 50th birthday or something like that, um, to go off with Luann. And you're going to bring a picture of him and we're all going to kiki and LOL and bring this guy up. And I think it's really shitty that Ramona is still friends with him. I think it's shitty that they're like the kind of friends that, oh, let's send him a picture. Oh, he's FaceTiming me right now. Like y'all are close and we saw them sucking face the other couple years ago too. So y'all like, I want Sonia to not be there. For, I, I need Luann and Ramona to be off the show. And I need to see the rise of Sonia Morgan. I do. Um, I guess now would be a good as time, as good a time as ever to talk about like the reunion and the rumors of it all. Um, you know, I think a lot of you guys have seen the drama that's, well, I don't want to call it drama. The things that have been happening with um, certain podcasters, I don't want to bring it up because, like, it's something that they have said has been messing with their mental health. So if you didn't see them talk about it, like, I, it just feels weird for me to repeat it. But, um, you know, people have been very weird about Ebony this entire time, racist we'll just say it and it's unacceptable and the the racism that has been happening within the bravo community is really sad it's yuck uh, it's why these rumors are being brought up about ebony and how she's quote unquote like going behind the scenes and ruining the show and trying to stop production and suing them it's like all bullshit and it's very clear that these things are lies and specific things said about Ebony to make her look bad. And so I think that it's best that we just not entertain it. With that being said, obviously something is going on because next week is the finale. Nobody, they have not filmed a reunion. I don't know what's happening. Rumors are flying. None of them appear to be true. And it's just... I, you know, that is very weird. And I think we should just be talking about why there's no real information about that coming out. Like, why is Andy not addressing this? Not that, like, he needs to on behalf of Ebony. It's just weird that nobody out of Bravo is addressing it at all. <laughs> like, so when is the reunion? Are we having a reunion? What's happening with New York? Are they going the way of Dallas? That would be a big thing. I doubt that. That would be a huge decision. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Everything's weird. Anyway, I'm done talking about New York. Fortunately, I, I don't even know if I can recap the reunions. Maybe I'll do like just a mini recap at some point. I I don't even know. <laughs> Who knows if I'll have a reunion to recap anyway. Um, yeah. Now let's move on to Beverly Hills. I totally get why Garcelle's upset. I mean... I think this is the third time we've talked about it. We've covered it. Let's just put the kibosh on it for now. You were not there when she said those don't words. Mention it. But I read to it. I didn't say don't mention it to the group. That's not what no, I said. No, she never said to the group. Well, you be quiet. Okay. All right, Miss Small Town. I'm so worried about my motherfucking reputation. You shut up. Go ahead, Crystal. 
You can laugh all you want, girl. We'll go all day with you. Okay. Go get another motherfucking legal opinion. Oh, come on. No, 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 no. Mm-mm. Go ahead, don't, please. Don't go. take that out on me. Take what out? Anything. No, your problems. You're, my problems are Don't my problems. All right. Oh, we're here. Let's talk about the drama that is Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. We start off the episode, Lisa Rinna, a little too Lisa Rinna heavy for my liking, if I'm going to be honest. The girls are there. It's like she's competing for the nepotism Olympics or something. I feel like we've seen this scene before where she's going through the garage. She's going through all those couture gowns that she had from the 90s and now we're doing part two, where she's in the garage, going through those gowns from the 90s, except for this time, Demelia Demil- <laughs> and Alilma <laughs> are there. Um, and I, that guy is there. I, I, it's like, I always have to think in my mind's eye, which one is which, which one's Amelia. I think she's the one dating Scott. So Delilah is there with her boyfriend, the guy from like Love Island or Too Hot to Handle or one of those shows where everybody just wears swimsuits and they have the microphones that are disguised as, as necklaces. That's all I know. He's English. That that too. I picked up on that. Um, he, they're... They were keeping these like sly wink winks to the camera, to the audience about Scott Disick because I guess, okay, so Delilah's boyfriend's name is Isle. They showed up to Lisa's house. Isle had a luxury vehicle that he was driving in and Amelia mentions how um, she helped Isle get this car. Now, if you know anything about Scott Disick, is that one of his greatest loves are flashy and expensive cars. So Lisa asks her, oh, hey, who did you get that? Who helped you get that car? Who did you possibly get it from, daughter? And Amelia's like, oh, I got it from a friend of mine, a really good friend. And then we have to just act like this is like so cute. Oh, it's Scott Disick. It's Scott. Who did it? Um, and blah, blah, blah. I, I do not care. Um, they go to try on these dresses. Um, she has her mother's or grand, their grandmother's wedding dress. And Lisa's talking about how Harry has expressed a not no or a non-objection towards Isle and Delilah getting married. Delilah and Isle. Wow, that's a real mouthful. Um, and then she, Lisa in a confessional is like, why couldn't Amelia be with like a Harry Styles or somebody? Why did she have to be with Scott? Why? Scott Disick. Why did she have to be with Scott Disick at Let the Lord Be With You on Instagram? Scott Disick of the Kardashians, have you ever heard of him? Why would my daughter, my daughter's dating Scott Disick, have you ever heard of it? Oh no, I'm acting upset, even though I could not be living more for this weird-ass situation. Um, sh- here's the reason why you're not going to get Harry Styles, okay? Harry Styles only... Um, uh, does contracts, relationship contracts, you got to be at least a Jenner, okay? And I know that, like, one of them is modeling, and, and they're modeling consistently, but we're not getting Jenner contracts here. So you're going to have to, like, toughen up. You're going to got to be a Jenner and above before we can even think about touching the hem of Harry Styles' bell bottoms, ma'am. 
That's why. And I don't really have, like, any opinion on Harry Styles, but I know, and I, you guys know I don't like Taylor Swift, but I do know that you gotta at least be a Taylor Swift for Harry to be interested. I know that for true, for certain. Um, anyway, the girls try on those vintage dresses. They look beautiful, because they're beautiful girls. Um, personally, I don't care. I don't care about Lisa's tears, about where the days go, and I'm walking around my house alone. Harry Hamlin's in Romania for whatever reason, and it's all different now. Okay, sorry, or congratulations, or whatever. Anyway, um, then Lisa says she's going to be having a Rinna Beauty launch, and God, can you imagine launching a, a, a company that you know, whatever. It's not really going to make a difference in your bank account one way or the other during COVID. Can you imagine? Oh, she's a fighter. That Rena. Um, you guys can tell that I have no patience for her anymore. Can you tell? <laughs> but Crystal has offered to host. Lisa makes some lame joke about how, oh, I think Crystal just wanted to take it, uh, control of the venue since things didn't really work out. Um, last time she was at my house, what, the problem, the time when Sutton freaked the fuck out and told her her pants were ugly? Like, that wasn't really a bad look for Crystal. So much as Sutton, but okay. Um, then we have a next scene of Dorit going over to Crystal's. They start talking about the last time they had dinner, so apparently, you know, last time we saw them, it was a Christmas dinner, and I'm assuming they took a break for the holidays. So, all the girls are back. Um, you know, talking about what's happened in the interim. Dorit says that she feels like that time at the Christmas dinner was not the time to come for Erica. And Crystal's like, yeah, I agree with you. Um, but I also think it probably would have been no time, no event or occasion that would have <laughs> um, fit what happened at that dinner. But okay. Um, then Dorit says she, she moves on to Garcelle. Ugh. Ugh. So she starts talking about how she felt like for the past few months, Garcelle has made little jabs at her and it's just happening more and more frequently and it's starting to piss her off. She tells Crystal that she doesn't understand what the problem is and that Garcelle needs to have the guts to back it up. <laughs> Laughable. Crystal was like, okay, I encourage you guys to get to the bottom of that issue. Um, I feel like that was probably a little bit of shade on Crystal's part towards Dorit because she knew she had to know how that was going to go, right? Like, yeah, let's let's uh, wind this up over the Rooney Beauty Party. This is going to be real fun. Um, then we see Erica. Uh, can you imagine our little matchstick girl pushing around the most expensive a vacuum on the market around her ten thousand dollar a month dollhouse, and sadly vacuuming, you know, taking out the parts to make it smaller and vacuuming her velvet red couch. And, you know, oh God, can you imagine just like, I feel like Fiddler on the Roof is playing in the background, you know, just, like, just talking about how she hasn't lived alone for 30 years and it's quiet and she's found meditation and in, in cleaning. And then Lisa comes over and they're going to be having a little get-together, just the three of them, to celebrate Kyle's birthday. But before Kyle gets there, they decide to have a little chat. So 
Erica says that she has spoken to her lawyer. Her lawyer asked her how she was doing, and she basically said that she's compartmentalizing. She's trying to deal with the legal stuff, and then once that's finished in the next, <laughs> like, five to seven years, um, then she's going to go to therapy and start dealing with the emotional element to it. Now, that might lend credence to why she seems completely... Um, emotionless towards the actual victims of Tom's uh, alleged crimes, but you know, that can only go so far when, once you take a peek into Erica's social media behavior since all of this came out in December. It has gotten weird. It keeps getting weirder. She keeps martyring herself. She keeps acting like the victim. And I'm not referencing that post post where somebody threatened to kill her, which like Come on, you guys. <laughs> Come on. Um, but other than that, I feel like people have been very fair towards her. And she has really acted like the victim of this whole situation. And you guys don't know and blah, blah, blah. And she just keeps fighting. And it's like you, by being on the show, by choosing to be on the show through all of this, are inviting a lot of opinion. Um, you also by being attached to what Tom allegedly did and it seeming more and more like you were knowingly involved. Um, yeah, people are going to share their opinions. They're not going to be good. Most of them. And so I don't know. It's like, how bad do you want us to feel for you when you're attached to such a horrific thing, girl? Like I, (laughs) You can't be mad at people for having opinions. You can't be mad at us for not liking the fact that there are widows and orphans and burn victims and cancer survivors who are not receiving the compensation that they deserve while you sit here crying in a $10,000 a month house. Like, you know? So anyway, after Erica talks about how she's like keeping things in boxes and she'll move on to one process after the other, Lisa says, well, you look great. So there's that. <laughs> Erica basically, Kyle shows up. She Erica opens up a bottle of uh, rosé and they make a joke. And Erica in that moment, if she has not told on herself this entire time, there were so many little moments where people were telling on themselves in this episode. And this was the first one. So they're opening up the champagne and Kyle kind of alludes to, Hey, did you um, take this bottle with you when you left Tom? And yeah, she's like, yeah. And then Erica's like, well, they'll probably try to take it from me, but I don't give a fuck at this point. Well, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You don't give a fuck. I would be so sick to take anything from that man's house, not knowing, (laughs) like I would not have taken one piece of furniture, one bottle, one item of clothing that had not been purchased or that had been purchased prior to, uh, 2011. (laughs) I would just be sick. I would be sick. Ugh, I can't believe it. So then they start talking about who they've seen since their holiday break. And Lisa, reveals that she saw Dorit and Sutton a couple days after the Christmas dinner, which would have been two weeks ago from them having this current conversation. So Lisa tells Erica and Kyle that she feels like Sutton and Dorit were a little bit nervous. And Erica's like, well, why? Because they didn't have all their legal questions answered. And 
Lisa says that she feels like the girls don't feel like they got the answers that they wanted at that dinner. So we see a flashback where Lisa, Sutton, and Dorit are all have all gotten together and Sutton just says that she wants to understand the rules and guidelines because she doesn't want to put herself in jeopardy. And she still feels that way. Kyle doesn't say anything about Dorit, but does say, hey, Sutton, I feel like was not saying what she had said um, at the meeting without Erica. And so then Erica's like, okay, well, tell, you guys, tell me what she said. So Kyle says, well... With Sutton, she doesn't want to get into any legal or societal issues that would come with being associated with Erica. And Erica's response is, oh, how small town of her. And then she says, you know, to not associate with me because of what the neighbors think is cowardly. And in a confessional, Erica says, we're not in Augusta, bitch. Like, who cares what the neighbors think? It has nothing, zero, negative to do with you, Sutton. And then Erica says to Kyle and Lisa... You know, whatever she might be going through is nothing compared to what I'm going through having to deal with this, which, okay, I'll give you half a point for that. But here's the thing. Why is Erica not mad at Dorit? Why, when Garcelle called Dorit out for not saying the same shit that she said at Sutton's or at the party that she hosted, by the way, (laughs) The party that Dorit hosted when she was saying, oh, these things are all diametrically opposed to the Erica that I knew. And, you know, what's the truth? And I set out counsel from Boy George and PK. And why why is Erica not expressing vitriol towards Dorit in the same way she is toward um, Sutton? Do you think it's all because those girls got have gotten together on several occasions and Maybe Dorit has already made amends to Erica for the things that she said, or maybe the other girls are protecting Dorit and saying that she didn't really, or and they're downplaying what Dorit said. Or there are obviously, obviously conversations that are going on behind um, the cameras, and that's to be expected. Like nobody expects otherwise, but there's such a driving force between what we see on camera. And what clearly is happening off camera, and I'm just like, I want to know the truth, and everybody write your questions. I want Bravo to be flooded with questions to the Fox Force 5 being um, Dorit, Lisa, really Dorit, Lisa, and Kyle. I need all them to answer, did you guys have a conversation off camera about what you were going to do towards Erica. Why is it that we see you guys doing one thing and, and see, you know, there's just something very weird about it. Something in the milk is not clean. So then Kyle asks Erica, did you want to leave your marriage for a long time? And then she says, you know, I'm only asking that because of the cheating. And then she kind of trails off. Erica says that the cheating is something that she discovered when she left Yolanda's condo years ago after she divorced David. And Yolanda mentioned something about David saying that boys will always protect boys. So this triggered her to, when she got home and saw that Tom was asleep, go through Tom's phone. She says she found all the receipts. And then she says this has been a real marital issue for a long time. And Kyle's like, ugh, I would have strangled him in his sleep. Absolutely. And Erica says, well, 
what would that have done? Like, I didn't have all the facts at the time. And Kyle's like, I wouldn't need any facts. So here's the thing. If you found everything that you needed to find on the phone, then what more facts are you looking for? And the real question is, why did you pretend like you didn't know that he was cheating when you've really known for several years now? That's the real question. Erica starts going back to her rhetoric of, you know, I considered leaving, but where was I going to go? And, you know, even though she and Tom had no prenup, she would have been certain that he would have not given her anything because he hasn't given her anything now because probably he did give you something. It's an EJ Global LLC, girl. That's what he gave you. That was your, (laughs) that was your divorce payout, ma'am. So then she says, you know, the survivor, you know, the, ever since I saw that thing on the phone, I've been working for myself. And, you know, if I had left at that time, you know, look at this house. All of this is me. He hasn't given me anything except for the furniture that I joked that I took and the, and the wine that I just joked that I took. And, you know, maybe the fact that apparently this house has been sold for quite some time, years even, and it's been in my name. Um, I wonder how that happened. Um, and, you know, I would have never been able to do this six years ago. I just would not have had the money. And it's like, I just don't understand. <sighs> she's acting like she's fucking Meghan Markle, right? <laughs> like she's, or Harry, really like Prince Harry. Like if I leave, I'm losing everything and I'm not going to get, I'm not going to have my title. I'm not going to have any money. I'm going to be cut off financially. Like she was acting like she was really about to be out here in these streets or like living in, I don't know, like fucking Redondo beach in a casita right next to Gina over in OC. Those are very locationally wrong. And I know that, I know that, but you know, let me just make the joke. Okay. Um, so I just, I don't know. Like, I just don't, understand she she keeps trying to paint this picture as though like she would not have had anything she would have just left with the Balenciaga on her back and I just think that it's only working within this group of really mostly Kyle who you know would Kyle be financially fine if she left Mauricio or if they broke up? Of course. But like, there's something inherently that you could tell ever since this happened, that Kyle's been very shook. And especially when it comes to the finances and the divorce. And I'm not really sure why, because it's not like she hasn't been divorced before girl. Like, you know what it's like to have to go back and go back to work and land on your feet again, more than any of these women. So I don't know what she's so shook about, but she seems very interested in the finances. And like I said, I think the only person who is uh, accepting this like poor little rich girl rhetoric is Kyle. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all. But when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health. And we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. Anyway, now it's time for Crystal's party, uh, Lisa's lip party, blah, blah, blah. Lisa starts talking about how she's a hustler, and this is where I just had to, like, black out until the moment she was in her confessional, and she was talking to production, and a bug flew into her lips and got trapped in the lip gloss and died, and she had to, like, pick it out of her lips. (laughs) Yuck. (laughs) Gross. Um... Crystal has a menu of, like, several different signature cocktails. The place looked beautiful. It was all outdoors in the backyard. The flowers were gorgeous. The tables were set. There were little lounge areas. There was a dining table. Except for the bar, which had rosé all day on the bar. But it was, like, the most... It was, like, in Times New Roman... (laughs) Only the R in Rosé was capitalized. It just looked like such an afterthought. And it was such a sore um, sore spot in an otherwise, like, beautiful setting. <laughs> like, literally, like, the, the family love family sign from Arrested Development. Unless, you know, except, you know, like, the typed version of it. Not the hand-painted one. Just very sad. <laughs> very sad. Um, I could not take my eyes off of it. But anyway, like I said, Crystal has a menu of several different signature cocktails, all with names like, you know, hashtag girl boss or whatever. And in a very telling moment, Erica, who shows up later, orders the no apologies. And in a confessional, our queen Garcelle says, coincidence? I think not. (laughs) Sutton arrives. Erica immediately moves away from Sutton and... She says, you know, I just really don't know what to do with her since Sutton basically said that her reputation was on the line. And in Sutton's confessional, she's like, you know, maybe I went a little too hard, but I still don't like it. And I still have questions, but I could come to a lipstick party for God's sake. Now, time out, you guys, because I just need to put something into context. A never before seen clip that just was released yesterday or sometime today um, in which Sutton 
during this conversation where all the girls met up to talk about Erica, admitted that she had, when she was going to, through her divorce, her lawyer said, you need to have somebody who can loan you money because there might be a time where you're not getting any money from your divorce and it runs out and you're going to need somebody to help you. So she tells the girls that she offered Erica a loan. She offered to help her get her on her feet and Erica just said, thank you. As far as we know, we didn't accept it. So that really sheds more light, I think, to the issue of if Sutton didn't know. Obviously, Sutton feels very strongly about this whole Windows and orphan situation, as she should. So I'm assuming that Sutton offered her this money pre-LA Times expose. And in that regard, it sheds a little bit more light and adds a little bit more context to the idea that oh my God, I just offered this person money. Like, is this a bad look? What if she took the money? Like, that would be even worse look or sketchy. And now, you know, I don't think it's wrong for Erica, especially, no, because when I was looking at, when she showed up to that party, the Christmas party, and she was introducing her, or saying hi to the girls, greeting the girls, she said, oh, you know, thanks for inviting me. I'm a little, a little bit radioactive right now. So, you already know your reputation. So to sit there and act like you're surprised that there might be people who don't want to associate with you or that they're feeling a little bit weary, like this is all Sutton's doing and that she's the only person in the world who feels that way. And when you've been saying this whole time that you see who your real friends are and everybody's dropped you, blah, blah, I don't know. I just think all this is bullshit, (laughs) bullshit, but it's entertaining and it's funny to me. Anyway, Sutton orders a vodka champagne mixture cocktail. Kyle acts like this is the worst possible thing that could have ever happened to her. Like she just found out that Sutton could also do the splits and now she's got her parlor trick taken away. And Sutton says that the drink is called a Sutty Buddy Butthole. But Kyle thinks that she said Slutty Buddy Butthole. And even the producers are confused about what Sutton said until she corrects them. But here's my thing. If I heard somebody say that they had a signature drink called the Suddy Buddy Butthole, butthole, it would be the butthole for me that would make me not want to drink it, not the slutty part. I'm fine with the slutty or the suddy. It's the, I don't want to drink anything with butthole in the name. Everyone gets their food and I'm loving that you know, every season or for the past few seasons, Kyle's had a pet peeve that she cannot help but bring up on camera. One, it was last year, it was the girls were doing glam before their events. The other one, it was like, uh, Denise not dressing up enough. This season, it seems to be <laughs> that she is eating and that the other women are not. And she just is constantly grumbling under her breath about like, why am I the only person with a full plate? Dorit, eat a full plate of food. You guys need to eat. Why am I the only one eating? And honestly, I find this way more refreshing and understandable than any of the other annoyances that Kyle has ever had on this show. Anyway, all the ladies sit down and they're eating their enchiladas or whatever. And Dorit says, Crystal, I just want to, excuse me, Garcelle, I just want to thank you for this lunch. And everybody's like, we're at Crystal's house, girl. 
this is not Garcelle. She's the one who hosted the party. Um, so she's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. It's just, Garcelle, I've just been thinking about you a lot. And I think that's why I slipped up. Because, you know, there have been some issues that I wanted to bring up that have been bothering me. So Garcelle's very graciously like, oh, okay, well, let's talk about it. So Dorit brings up what she told Crystal, which was in the last few months, she's not sure where things are coming from and it doesn't sit well for her, but she feels like Dorit has been, or excuse me, Garcelle has been making a lot of jabs recently and she just wants to know what's going on. And then she says, you know, it's kind of like a bully. Mm-mm-mm. Nope. Wrong road. <laughs> Wrong road, girl. Wrong road. Don't... I was about to say, don't we know better? But Dorit literally just tried to pull the, my um, mom's friend that she sees sometime is black. And that's why I'm okay with, uh, that's why my children love black people or whatever bullshit she was saying. So I don't know why I'm expecting any more out of her. But to sit there and call a black woman a bully, especially for the reasons that she gave, it's like, girl, is her bun on too tight like what is happening how is it that Dorit has started off horrible had two or three incredible seasons and now we're worse than ever like what is happening here's what I think is happening and I don't want anybody to um I'm not going to go so far as to be a Dorit apologist I feel like a lot of this is Lisa's doing and it's still Dorit's fault because she's the one who's saying this shit and she's the one who's out here being Captain Dumbass. But I just feel like somebody is in Dorit's head. Somebody's whispering. That person probably has some quite large lips and very apparently sticky lip gloss. And I just feel like there has been, like I said before, conversations that were happening off camera in which there has decided there have been people who have decided to put on a united front in regards to Lisa. They're on the wrong team. And the only person who is consistently on the wrong team for the past few years has been Lisa Rinna. That's my theory. I, I just feel like I, I don't understand how we, she went from understanding the situation that happened in Palm happened in Palm Springs with Garcelle and Erica to this. It it is so stupid and so wild. Everybody at the table starts making faces, especially Kyle. <laughs> it's like Kyle through this whole meal looks like a ventriloquist dummy. Like you know when you just like put the eyes back and forth real quick. Like she's just like, oh, oh I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but um, Garcelle's like, okay, well, what exactly are the things that have been said? What did I say? And Dorit must have a mind like a fucking steel trap because she has every minute moment of a perceived slight against her down to, to the word in that brain of hers. So let's go through the list. She starts out by saying that Garcelle told her that she talked a lot, which Dorit was like, well, you know, it wasn't that nice, but... You know, I just thought maybe she was just, you were just trying to be funny. And then, two, at the dumpling party, when there was a situation between Crystal and Sutton, um, they had had a conversation outside, and 
Garcelle said something along the lines of, you're never, you never take Sutton's side or you never stand up for her. And, um, she says, you know, I just don't like your tone, which she describes as obnoxious and rude and yuck, 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 yike, yucks, <laughs> yucks, what? yikes and yuck yucks Uh, gross um number three is that garcelle called her out of the christmas party and now we know like i said this is the reason why dorita's pissed off that she didn't like being called out for being a fucking karma chameleon which is what i'm going to start calling her from now she is just wherever the wind blows she's like a louis vuitton print over here in a Gucci print over here. She is just disguising herself and just going wherever, like she is a true flip flopper. Okay. She is the old Navy dollar sale flip flop level of flip flopper. Garcelle. Mm. Ever the queen after Dorit's like, well, you said that thing at, at the Christmas dinner about how that's not what I said. And Garcelle's like, yeah, well, I'm not wrong about that, but go ahead. In a confessional, Garcelle says, Dorit was just as adamant about this Erica stuff as Sutton was. And we see Dorit say, everything that I've learned about Erica's diametrically opposite of what I know now. And if that that was like a stronger statement than anything Sutton had really said, (laughs) she's calling out your character. Sutton's just like, I just want my hands clean of this legally. You're the one who's saying that she has pulled a wool over your eyes and she pulled a complete 180 and everything that you knew about her was is the complete opposite. You're the one who said that. So Dorit continues to say that Garcelle's behavior was surprising and it takes her off guard and, you know, it's almost like a bully. And Garcelle and probably the rest of the country looking at their TVs, devices, whatever, were like, oh, stop. Stop it right now. I'm not bullying you. Please, you can stop it. In a confessional, Garcelle says a bully is somebody who picks a fight, whereas Garcelle was simply reacting to Dorit's behavior and that bully is a loaded word that you can't just throw around. Thank you. I don't like this culture of housewives using the term bullying. First of all, all of you guys are getting paid. Secondly, (laughs) if you don't want to be there, then don't be there. I, the only person who lately has been bullied, I think has been Denise, but Denise kind of brought that on herself a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. So I don't know. (sighs) This is like a really tragic takedown of somebody who really liked Dorit and has gone on record of saying several times how much I like her, how much I like her fashions, how much I just, uh, I'm disgusted. Second. (laughs) we have to continue so Dorit says that's just the way it feels it just feels like bullying and asks Garcelle do you have a problem with me and Garcelle says no I don't have a problem with you but I feel like whenever we're all having a discussion you hijack the moment you just go on and on and on and you don't give anybody a chance to have their say Kyle's face (laughs) When she finally got that confirmation or she finally saw someone else saying what she has been saying this whole time about Dorit talking too much, she was like, ugh, 
Thank you, girl. Keep it going. I love this song. Roll that shit back and play it again. Garcelle starts to say, you know, if I've done anything to you, which I have because I remember it, and then Dorit's like, well, when you've done that, you mean, and Garcelle just stares at her and kind of laughs and is like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Like, you're trying to get off those on this technicality of her saying if. But then she just admits to saying, I remember all of those moments. So try to act like you, to try to act as though you caught her in something and like, oh, I gotcha. Like, all right, I'll give you that one if if that's what you really need. That's the laughter of somebody who thinks that you're pathetic and grasping at straws. Is that the kind of laugh you want to read? Is that the response that you want? Because <laughs> um, that's the one that you deserve. Anyway, the Garcelle again says that Dorit does talk a lot and that's just how she feels. And then Dorit says, okay, well, let me ask you something. Would you consider us to be friends? And Garcelle kind of waits a beat and says, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I don't really know where I stand in this group. I feel like in a way I kind of feel like an outsider a little bit. And Dorit asks why. And Garcelle says, I can't explain it, but it's how I feel. And Dorit says, well, you know, a really easy way to feel like you're part of a group is to actually be honest. And if you have a problem, then say it. (laughs) What are we fighting about? Every example that you gave, if your issue is that Garcelle is not being honest and if you have a problem in saying it, then why did we all just watch a whole montage of Garcelle saying exactly what she felt and being direct and honest to Dorit. So which one is it? Like I, what is, <laughs> I, I, I'm very confused. Garcelle, like, <laughs> I'm weary. I, I'm, I'm so weary. Like, did Garcelle honestly tell you everything and you didn't like it? Or did she not say enough? And that's why she's on the outs of the group. Like, it can't be both. So Garcelle says, I don't have a problem with you overall. I just have a problem when you won't let anybody else speak, which is exactly what she said the first time. And then Garcelle says, and I believe I'm not the only person at the table who's felt that way. So Dorit says, just say that. But baby, she said exactly that. And you didn't like it. <laughs> you thought it was mean. Kathy. Oh, Kathy's there, by the way. Um, she says, well, it's not like something you haven't heard before. And Kyle's like, well, it's not like you um, didn't react when I told you that you spoke too much. But again, this is not really the point. It's not like Gar- Kyle was trying to frame it. It was like, oh, well, maybe Garcelle didn't say anything because she saw how you reacted when I told you that. But she did tell her that point blank. She did tell Dorit that, so whatever. Anyway, Kyle's just so thrilled that somebody else has said that Dorit has talked too much. And she says in a confessional, you know, some people I understand, it might take them a couple beats to get to their issue, but with Dorit, it's a car, it's a train, it's a plane, it's a connecting flight. I mean, if you ask her what time it is, she'll tell you how to build a clock. Like, that's how much she talks. So Garcelle says, okay. The things that you're calling me out for are the things that I've been telling you how I feel about you straight to your face. 
And Kyle's like, well, maybe Dorit feels like you're being a little bit passive aggressive instead of being direct. And <laughs> okay. So then Erica's like, well, you know, I've gotten in- into it with Dorit many times. And, you know, she is known to be a marathon talker. So what I've done is, you know, I just start thinking about all the things and I check in with myself. Like, is the dog okay? Did I lock the door before I left? Um, what do I have going on tomorrow? And then I just get back to whatever Dorit's talking about. So, Dorit, if you're upset at anybody, maybe you should be upset with Kyle and Erica talking shit about you in the confessionals. Maybe we should talk about that, okay? So, then Dorit claims that um, whatever Garcelle's doing, she does this to a lot of people. And Garcelle says, are you speaking on behalf of everybody? And Dorit says, well, I'm just making observations from last year and this year. And um, now that I'm on the receiving end of it, I just think to myself, gee, she had a problem with Kyle. And then what you did in Palm Springs. Garcelle immediately shuts that down. She's like, fuck you with that. And if that (laughs) wasn't enough for Dorit to shut the fuck up. She stands firm in the fact that she's now getting treated the way, the same way that Garcelle has been treating Erica, in that she just pokes and pokes and pokes, and then um, she acts surprised when people are offended, when she knows exactly what she's doing. So she's painting Garcelle as this, like, underhanded, backstabbing um, person who hides her hand when she gets caught. Fuck off. Like, there has not been anybody more direct... (laughs) Since Lisa Rinna's good years on the show since Garcelle. Like, you could not hope for a more direct, more honest person. You may not like it, but you can't say that she was lying to you. And you can't say that she was being underhanded. You can't say that she did that she minced her words. You can't do any of those things. So, Dorit, like, you really play the fuck out of yourself. And you have been these past few episodes, but you really are now. And it's like... I hate this. (laughs) Anyway, back to my new happy place where Garcelle is just reading, saying, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you over and over and over. And you know exactly what happened with that moment with Erica in Palm Springs. And then Dorit plays dumb. Like we haven't seen Crystal tell the group a million times before that Garcelle didn't know to not say that Tom had been speaking or Tom had been calling Erica. We've been through this so many times if I've seen her say it this many times on camera, how is it not translating when she's saying to, to this to the women in real life? How is that happening? I'm getting it. Why are they not getting it? Especially Dorit, who called, tried to call Garcelle out for this before. Crystal directly said to her, Garcelle had no idea not to say that. She Erica only said this to me. Garcelle was not around. And Dorit's response was, oh, well, then is it possible that there's another reason why Erica's mad? Since clearly this was just a misunderstanding with Garcelle. So what what is going on? Garcelle gets up and says, and Dorit's like, oh, well, that's the easy way. Are you going to just like take that and, and walk out? <sighs> I would have... thank god for those cameras 
the the cinematography was just perfect where Garcelle gets up, she's in her white and black power suit, she um starts to walk out, Dorit calls her out for walking out, and then Garcelle puts her right hand like a boss right where Dorit is sitting and says I will talk to you, but you have to be fair. I'm not going to talk it out if you're going to bring up what happened in Palm Springs. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. In a confessional, Garcelle says that Erica didn't even have an issue. And she understood that there was a misunderstanding with the Tom situation. And for Dorit to bring it up, it's just her looking for shit. Could not agree more. We, um see like Kathy and the other women get Garcelle to sit back down and in a confessional even like Eric or Crispy Crystal is like I understand why Garcelle's upset because I feel like this is probably the third time that we've talked about this situation so kind of feel like we just need to put the kibosh on it for now and then Crystal has to say once again Garcelle did nothing malicious behind asking Erica about Tom calling her Sutton chimes in and says something about how Erica said not to mention the Tom stuff to the group. And Erica was like, Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready for you, Miss Georgia. <laughs> so then this scene cracked me up where Erica just goes off. <laughs> Erica says, No, I did not say not to mention it to the group. You be quiet, Miss Small Town. I'm so worried about my motherfucking reputation. You shut up. Crystal, go ahead. <laughs> She was so ready. I love it when a bitch is just on ready. I don't even really care if she's in the wrong. I I just love it. Just when you're ready. It's so funny to me. So the five seconds. Like if if it wasn't funny enough that Erica just like snapped on Sutton. The five seconds where Sutton like lets it sink in what Erica just said to her and just laughs. (laughs) Just like... Oh, this is what we're doing? Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, Erica. Um, So funny. It's going to remain on a loop in my head for the next month. At least. At least. So Erica's like, you can laugh all you want, girl. I'll go all day with you. Go get another motherfucking legal opinion. And Sutton rolls her eyes and says, oh, come on. Don't take that out on me. And Erica says, take what out? Your bullshit? And Sutton says, no. Your problems. (laughs) The girls are fighting. I can't wait for next week. Uh, so <laughs> Erica says, my problems are my problems. Don't try to turn it around because it doesn't affect you. And for you to sit there at my house and act the way you did, girl, that small town shit is so whack. And then she turns back to Crystal and, Chris- and says, go ahead, Crystal. <laughs> so Crystal says, when they went on their walk, when they went to that hike, basically, what we had all been theorizing is true that uh, yes, they were mic'd, but they thought they were fi- finished filming. Obviously this is not what crystal can say. Cause that would be breaking the fourth wall. But she says it in a, like when I thought we were having, when we were done with our walk, I thought we were having a quote unquote private moment. Meaning I didn't think they had picked up on that. And here we go. Um, and so if you would have thought, that at this point, maybe Dorit would have taken that time where Erica's going off on Sutton to maybe reassess and recalibrate and figure out another way to move and try to wiggle out of what 
bullshit she just pulled on Garcella. <laughs> You'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. So Dorit says to Crystal, in reference to her mo- assuming that it was a private moment, was like, yeah, so you, Crystal, assumed that that was a private moment because, you know, you you read that and you felt that that was maybe something you shouldn't bring up on camera. And then she goes back to Garcelle and says, you know, you're a smart girl. <laughs> Meaning you knew not to say that on camera. And maybe she didn't explicitly say, don't say it. Or maybe you guys were technically mic'd up, but somehow Crystal knew better not to say anything. But Garcelle, I feel like you're a very smart girl and you probably knew, like, chastising her as if she's a child. Like, I have a feeling that you do better than that, Garcelle. Hmm? It was just so patronizing, so, like, looking down her nose on Garcelle. It was a horrible look. Terrible look. And why she would not let it go and just, like, take your first L... When Garcelle said fuck you to you 25 times, you should have sat there. Literally, the you should have sat there and ate your food award goes to Dorit Kemsley. <laughs> Congratulations, girl. You're a loser. So Garcelle has to check her again like the absolute queen she is and says, you're not putting that on me. I'm not letting you do it. You don't get to say what you want about that situation. Don't jump in on something that you weren't even there for. Hello? Let's just keep it to you and I giving, uh, you and I and me giving you these alleged jabs and leave it at that. And Dorit's like, okay, well, I just think that maybe we should end the conversation because I certainly wouldn't want to be accused of belaboring the point. (sighs) Like Arcel says, really? And in very mocking tone, Dorit says, yeah, really? hope that Jagger trips her in the hall. (laughs) Just kidding, but not. Um, So let's just break this down, girl. You're the one who's bringing this stuff up that these perceived slights that you've gotten from Garcelle months ago. So if you really have that big of an issue and if if you want to chastise her and talk about how if you want to be in the group, maybe you need to be honest and forthright and direct in the moment. Why did you not bring this stuff up to Garcelle in the moment? Why are you now bringing this up in front of everyone? Because you thought that you would have backup? Why? Like, if you had such an issue with Garcelle, why don't you bring it up with Garcelle? by herself why did you have to bring it up in front of everybody and yeah garcelle brought up a great point is why are you acting like a soldier for a situation that you weren't even present for (laughs) come on so garcelle you know dorit's like oh i wouldn't want to be guilty of belaboring the point and garcelle says well case in point So in a confessional, Garcelle rolls her eyes and says, oh my God, we just keep going around and around and around. At this point, I need to call PETA because Dorit's just beating a dead horse. Kyle tries to bring it all together and have a kumbaya moment and says, you know, at the end of the day, I just feel like even if it doesn't always come out right, maybe we should just say things directly. And I know it seems like I'm trying to fix everything and I kind of am. And Garcelle says, don't worry about it. (laughs) And then she turns to Dorit and says, Moving forward, I'll say it to your face. 
And Dorit says, well, it just feels really shitty. And Garcelle says, I hear you. And it'll be different. This is obviously something that's going to be coming back up in the reunion. And I can't wait. Fortunately, the lunch is done. We're back at the house of Hilton with a puppy dog running around. Kathy's yelling about chicken salad to her housekeeper and telling her to be careful with the mayonnaise because Kyle likes to watch her little figure. And honestly, if you think that I don't want to watch just like a wealthy woman on TV with a Pomeranian named Muffy who sits on unopened Hermes Christmas presents because she likes to be close to the door in case anybody's going out for a ride. Like, you'd be sadly mistaken. This is exactly the kind of shit that I want to see. And maybe that's a problematic opinion, but hey, here we are. <laughs> if, I, if I wanted to see people acting good, I wouldn't be watching The Housewives, okay? We're all guilty, so I'm not going down with this ship. Anyway, Kathy brings Kyle into what I'm sure is one of several dining rooms that she's getting set up for this party that is uh, being dubbed the dinner party from hell part two. And the tablescape is all red and white. And, um, you know, it's a bunch of Baccarat crystals and candle holders. And the Chiron tells us that this one single Baccarat candle holder is worth $950. And she's also got these red crystal butterflies scattered about the table that she's going to be giving to the girls as a gift. $140 each. Little tiaras. And in a confessional, Kathy says, you know, Dorit likes her little looks, you know, with her clothing. But I prefer to do it on the table. <laughs> she says it takes up to four days for her to come up with the right table setting for her for a lunch party or dinner party. God bless her. Four days. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being able to devote four days to a dinner party for, like, six people? Mm, the freedom. Um, that's wealth, baby. That's wealth. So anyway, then they go into this den. They eat two scoops of chicken salad on some lettuce and some Ritz crackers. Like, it's right back in the 1970s. Served on TV trays with doilies underneath. I hope you guys caught that doily. Um, did you guys also catch... <laughs> picture of Kathy, Rick, and Michael Jackson in the background. God bless. Uh, <laughs> so Kathy asks Kyle what she thought about Lisa's party and Kyle's like, well, it was great until it wasn't. And I'm kind of surprised that Garcelle got so upset and said, fuck you so many times. And Kathy looks confused and says, wait, who said that? <laughs> and Kyle says, Garcelle said it. You were probably putting your lipstick on. They were literally fighting, Kathy, and I was looking over at you and you weren't paying any attention. We see Kathy, a flashback of Kathy at the table. You can hear Garcelle say, fuck you. Kathy's just looking into a little compact mirror, just trying to get the hair out of her lipstick that are on her lips because they got stuck. Oh, you know, we, we always get hair in our, stuck in our lips. Just no, no thoughts, just vibes and expensive perfumes and you know just <laughs> believable how did she how did she miss the 12 fuck yous of christmas that D garcelle laid upon dorit's crown how did she miss all of that you didn't catch one fuck not one <laughs> so then kyle mentions a lip reader that we did not see apparently there was a rena beauty after party and i guess do we have after parties for lunches? Only in Beverly Hills. Um, 
but the lip reader came and she was kind of like a lip reading fortune telling i can tell that you have um a couple of lines in your lips and that means this and you have a cupid's bow and that means that just total she she bullshit apparently this woman in the flashback is talking about Kathy and Kyle's relationship and how Kyle's mom is there and she's telling Kyle to like be strong or whatever she said. And, but anyway, the point is that Kyle's like, uh, you know, afterwards she did tell us that she Googled us. <laughs> That's how she got information. Finally, the question that we've all been wondering, do these mediums Google the women before they come on this show? Uh, thank God for you falling on that sword miss lip reader for admitting that ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Apparently, the lip reader told Kyle that she, when she Googled them, she saw the drama that happened between Kathy and Kyle with American Woman. If you guys don't remember, American Woman is the show that Kyle sold that was based on their lives and their mom and growing up in the 70s and how their mom made it as like a stage mom slash, you know, divorcee. And this spurns a conversation that I feel like I have just, you know, when you're sowing the seeds And you're just praying and hoping that the weather, you know, there's a perfect amount of rain, there's a perfect amount of sun, and then that little blossom blooms. And you're like, gosh, all of that toiling and soil checking was worth it because look at what a beautiful thing. I've gotten a return on my investment and that return, that beautiful flower poking up out of that soil is Kathy and Kyle having an in-depth conversation about their family dysfunction. I could not have left it more. This is what I came for. This is what I'm training for. I came here. I came here to the stage ready and I'm here and I'm loving it. (laughs) The only thing missing was Kim. The only thing missing was Kim, but I'll take it. One day we're going to get that red table. Oh my God. I just got a flash. Oh, Jada Pinkett Smith, please invite the Richard sisters to the red table. Could you imagine, could you, girl, Jada, I'm screaming like she's going to hear me. Jada, bring, invite the sisters Richards to the red table. (laughs) Certainly some healing needs to be happening. Oh, Facebook watch could not take the surge of, (laughs) of viewers 
that would come from that meeting. Oh my God. We got to make that happen. I'm lighting my candle tonight. Let me know if there's a moon, a full moon coming up. I'm manifesting the fuck out of that. Okay. Woo. So Kathy starts off by saying that their family has had a lot of attention put on them and do, and like to do the American woman show, it only brought more of the focus back on the family. In a confessional, Kyle starts talking about the origins of her issues and the downfall of her relationship with Kathy. We kind of knew this, but it was nice to see the confirmation of it starting with Mauricio, who used to work for Rick Hilton's real estate agency, breaking off to join, you know, his agency, the agency, which is now one of the probably most successful <laughs> agencies Definitely in this country, if not the world. Oh, God. I need to... I want to see how much money Mauricio makes. It's got to just be like... Ugh. Ugh. Okay. So, anyway. Do you guys think that maybe... No, I'm back. I said anyway, but I'm back. Do you think that they're wealthier now? The Umanskis are wealthier now than Rick and Kathy? I wonder. Mm. Anyway. Um... So it started with that, with Mauricio going out on his own. And then the second time was, excuse me, Kyle says that this is the first time that she and Kathy ever had an issue. They would talk on the phone 10 times a day, you know, do all the things together. That situation was the first problem, real problem that they had. And then she says the second time was when she signed a deal with Warner Brothers to sell American Woman. This was back in 2015. And... Kyle says that she thinks that Kathy thought that Kyle's intention was to disrespect her mother or um, Kim or Kathy. And Kyle goes on to say that anytime there was a conversation to try to smooth things over with Kathy, it would never, it would always go left, always end really poorly. So Kathy says, you know, there have been so many things that have been out there and there's just no way that they would have been interested in a script about, you know, Angelina Jolie and her mom or Greta Garbo and her mother. And Kyle's like, well, what does that mean? So I'm assuming what she means, since Kathy speaks in shorthand, is we all know that Angelina and her mom had a great relationship. They were quite close. I'm assuming the same from Greta Garbo. So what Kathy's trying to say is, they're not going to take stories about functional families. What they're going to do is mess, which is really like, again, people telling on themselves is like everything that we've heard about big Kathy is true. (laughs) That's the confirmation. You guys, I hope that's what we, I hope that's at least one thing that you took it from that. All the lore about big Kathy and how horrible she was must be true because Kathy jr. Is seeming very protective about the image that she thinks that Kyle was going to be portraying about their mother, right? If she thought her mom was like a good person and that she was a good parent, why would she be so concerned? You know, in a confessional, Kathy even admits that she had a lawyer basically write up what I'm assuming is a cease and desist so that Kyle and the network would not talk about her or her family. And then she says, I would do the same thing with my kids. And, you know, maybe based on what we saw that Paris Hilton YouTube documentary. Um, yeah, I wouldn't blame you for wanting to do that in the future. Didn't come off well, Kath. Didn't come off well. Anyway, um, Kyle goes on to say, you know, anybody who saw American Woman would have known that it was really a love letter to our mother. And it really wasn't about their family specifically. It was more inspired off that family. And then she says under her breath, you know, 
I mean, I said that until I was blue in the face. Maybe like we've been over this time and time again. And I'm clearly these women are still feeling, or Kyle at least is still feeling a little bit of, excuse me, resentment over the fact that she has tried to explain this to Kathy and it really has gone nowhere. And it's been years of them having this dysfunctional relationship because of the show. Um, But then Kyle says she just gets so nervous talking about this topic because she's scared that it's going to spiral into another issue. So Kathy says, well, if it's such a love letter to mom, then why didn't you talk to Kim about it? And Kyle says, well, I did, but at the time you, Kathy and Kim were not in a good place. And so that's maybe why you didn't know that I talked to her. And Kathy says, well, I just wouldn't do that without talking to you. So Kyle says, if the show was like a real based on a true story type thing, about their mom she never would have done it another thing that i feel like is very telling of this rumors of big kathy being true kyle tries to say like you know it was just like a i just was based on the idea that she was like growing up in the 70s and her mom was kind of fabulous and you know i just wanted to get that feel and bring it to the show and um Kathy cuts her off and says, well, I just feel like there were a couple things on that show that were a little off color. And Kyle asks what it was. So Kathy brings up a moment where Alicia Silverstone, who played Big Kathy, and I know that most of you probably don't know that because did anybody watch that show? I certainly didn't. So (laughs) Alicia Silverstone played Big Kathy and apparently there's a scene where she's in the pool and there's money and she's like on a floaty in the pool, smoking a cigarette or something. I don't know why Kathy found that to be um, bad. It kind of sounds like um, Rihanna and the like, bitch better have my money video, which sounds like a cool thing to me, but apparently it rubs Kathy the wrong way. So I'm going to give her that. And Kyle says, well, it really wasn't as bad as, or it, it sounds worse than what you're describing. Like it's supposed to be like a fun thing. And you're taking it this evil thing. And Kathy says, well, you know, a bunch of people called me about that scene. And in a confessional, Kathy says, the bottom line is, if the show is based on your family and something appears in the show, then people are going to take that as fact that that actually happened in your life. And that's unacceptable to her. Now, she has a point. (laughs) She does have a point with that. The people are going to see, like, oh, this is Kyle's show about her family. Oh, so you see the scene and, like, oh, this must have actually happened in their real life. Like, I get that. I get that. Um, So then Kyle, excuse me, Kathy turns to Kyle and says, can I tell you something? Hand to God, Kim never said one unkind thing. And Kyle says, well, I find that a little hard to believe. And so Kathy says, well, I don't need to lie to you. And Kyle says, well, I don't think that you're lying, but I just think that maybe you forget. And then we get into the sister stuff. And she says, you know, Kyle says, you know, there have been many times where you and Kim have been close and I was an outsider. There have been times where you and I have felt close and Kim felt like an outsider. And Kathy's like, well, that's the thing. Kim really doesn't like to feel like an outsider. And Kyle's like, well, how did you think I felt? That one Christmas when everybody was here at the house and I wasn't included. (laughs) It was very painful for me. Also, do we remember that weird stuff with... Was it Nikki's wedding? Where 
Kyle's daughters or a couple of Kyle's daughters were supposed to be bridesmaids and then they got into it. Or was that Kath was that um Kim's daughter? Was it Kim's daughter's wedding or Nikki's wedding? I can't remember, but it got so weird. A couple of Kyle's daughters were supposed to be bridesmaids and then something happened and then the girls weren't going to come. And then that last minute they did come and then Mauricio wasn't invited. Remember? That's very strange. Anyway. Um, so what's going on? Okay. So Kyle then says that when their mom passed away, she's saying this in a confessional that the dynamic between the sisters shifted as to be expected. And she says, you know, our mom was always a mediator. So I just feel like if she was still alive, if our mom was still alive, would we have had the same arguments? A hundred percent. But my mom would have never tolerated us not talking to each other. Like all of those years lost would have never happened. She would have always brought us together. And then she starts to get emotional. And then Kyle goes on to say to Kathy that she feels like time was what healed all the wounds. And one day Kathy invited her and Mauricio over to have dinner with she and Rick in Santa Barbara. And this is only a couple months ago where we see a flashback of Mauricio talking about how it was just like old times, how he was able to talk to Rick and it was just like the good old days. And gosh, it took so long to get there. You know, I knew that we'd get there, but I didn't think that it would take as long as it did. And gosh, for them to only have rectified their situation a couple months ago, whew, after like, 10 years? Damn. Um, you know, Kyle's just like really grateful and says, I just hope that we, I, yeah, I never want to go back to that place. It's just so fun that we can be together now. And then they start talking about their mom and they're cooking. They're just like making little jokes. And the episode ends with a production talking to Kathy in a confessional. And the produ- producer asks Kathy, what was the one thing that you missed when you and Kyle were talking less? And Kathy just says, being together. And then she starts to cry, like a real cry. And she says, you know, it's what a waste, you know? (laughs) Like, that was real. That was some real shit. She says, it was just like, she really broke down. She, like, couldn't get a hold of herself. And she really looked like Paris. That's so funny. Something about this family specifically is that they have such a likeness, but it only hits. Like, clearly they all look alike. But then it's like, sometimes you look at Kyle and she makes a face and you're like, whoa, that is Paris Hilton. <laughs> they're, something about their faces are just so interesting to me. So interesting. Anyway, um, back they're back in the den and the light between them, the lamp starts to flicker and Kathy's like, I, that's a brand new lamp and a brand new light. So maybe that's our mom. And then and it, the episode ends with them. Talking to their mom. <laughs> the light. The lamp. They love lamp. Anyway, that is it for this week. I, fingers crossed, y'all have a really good guest. I can't imagine if this episode is going to be as good as they're touting it. I needed somebody to talk to. So hopefully, y'all, fingers crossed, we got a fan fave to talk about and break down this episode. I am so excited. Oh, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking.